Welcome to the Southern Glow Podcast. My name is Carrie Hyatt Richmond. I'm a wife, extra needs mama, homeschool teacher, fantasy author, and empath. I'm here with one goal in mind, to enrich your entire world by empowering you to live in it authentically and honestly as the exact soul you were sent here to be. It's time to release all the outdated cultural paradigms, generational facades, and hectic patterns that are draining the magic out of your days. By choosing to anchor back into your soul and to reconnect with your intuition, you will compose a unique harmonic identity that enriches every aspect of your life. I cannot wait to share all the tools, shifts, and rituals that you can implement to step into the reality you've been longing for. I know that we're going to have the best time connecting, so thank you for pushing play today. Now, let's reclaim your glow. Hello, everyone. I am so excited for this episode. It is definitely going to be one of the first ones that floods out of the gate because you guys have absolutely got to meet Aaron and Michaela. They have been pivotal in my life change in the last couple of years most incredible women ever. Um, a little bit about them. They are the host of the Two Sober Girls podcast, Michaela Horvathova and Erin O'Neill. Um, Michaela is a wellness coach with 15 years of experience and started her sober journey in February of 2022. Erin has four years in sobriety and is deeply rooted in AA. So together they blend AA principles with wellness to help women quit alcohol and embrace a healthier life. As sober moms, they lead the Sober Girls Mastermind and offer private coaching. So tune into their podcast and explore sobriety and wellness. And I am absolutely honored to have them here on my podcast today. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining me. We're honored. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'm so excited for these conversations. Oh, my goodness. You guys are in for a treat. Carrie's uh-huh. amazing. Oh, same back to you guys. This is just a conversation I've been so looking forward to having. Uh, we actually connected on your podcast earlier this year, and I will definitely drop the link to that in the show notes for everyone so they can go back. We really kind of talked about my experience with my sober journey leading up to the point that I stumbled on the Two Sober Girls podcast, got connected with Erin and Michaela. It's just a really good listen, especially if you're interested in my background story and the experience that I had out of the gate in the mastermind, I think we covered that initial 90 days that we worked together. Um, so there's just a wealth of information and really good stuff in that. So I'll drop that in there too. Um, but here we are now crouching in on October, <laughs> so far along from where we started. And there are just so many topics we could cover. I actually reached out to Aaron and Michaela this morning and thought, I think a really good way to just come out of the gate this morning is to just go straight into the culture, all Mm -hmm. the culture narratives that I feel like are so backwards right now with alcohol. Um, So I just thought we would just tackle that out of the gate as a good, just way to jump in with everyone who might be new to this, maybe in their own sober curious journey, or maybe are still feeling even saying they're sober curious is still so taboo because Mm -hmm. there's such a, I don't even know, just an old paradigm that floats around the word sober. And if you pronounce yourself as being sober, it has this negative connotation and people automatically think, oh, you're broken. What's wrong with you? (laughs) And we are here to absolutely rip that old narrative down to shreds 
because it is so incorrect. Um, we are choosing sobriety to thrive and make our lives the best they can be. So without further ado, does anybody want to chime in on that? I mean, there's so much. And <laughs> thank you the way you just set that up, like, and especially for me being a sober woman in AA, can you even imagine? It's like, oh, you're in AA. Oh, it's like, no, I'm in AA and I love it. And it's a spiritual program and it's teaching me how to live with such grace and love and connection to my mm -hmm. higher power. And as you're speaking, I'm like, why would we not want to go through life sober? Right. Right. What are we thinking? Like, what? We and why to... is that okay? And us being sober is not okay. And, you know, same for me. I was in the wellness space for a really long time and it was okay for me to drink. Like, it's just like a, everybody, you know, it's like events and, and all the things it's like, it's almost like frown, frowned on, like, if you don't drink. Right. So even, even being in this space, like, it's so funny. It's like, why don't you drink? And then like, I just want to be like, well, why do you drink? You know, like knowing the deep rooted reasons why I drank and being able to put in the work that we've been doing collectively and also individually allows me to see. And I had this idea, this deep thought the other day that like, thank God I went through this because now I realized I drank because of my childhood trauma and a bunch of stuff that has happened. And it's like, you know, I didn't want to deal with it. And, and then also it just became a lifestyle. I was like a big time party girl, like in New York city. And that, like, that was just my persona. And then it's like shifting from that to wellness has been quite interesting. Um, but I'm so grateful for all those struggles, you know, because alcohol gave me anxiety, alcohol gave me depression, alcohol gave me, um, a lot of negative self-talk. I mean, like all of these negative things, it was, yeah, in the beginning, it was like a release, but it just, the more you do it, it just snowballs into this negative um, lifestyle, no matter how glamorous it is. You know, I was in Ibiza, I was in Barcelona, but like I was hungover every single day. I'm like, that is like, looking back, I'm like, that is not cute. You know, I'm like, what a waste of money. Um, but sobriety allowed me to do the inner work. I feel like if I didn't choose to be sober and I kind of like, I was able to have like one or two glasses a week, you know, in my thirties. And that was cool. I was still not able to go in as deep in my healing than mm -hmm. I am now. Like now I feel like in a week, it's like a year worth of healing that I'm going through because I allow myself to feel emotions and talk about them and process them and not be ashamed of things um, where it's like on the other side of it, I'm able to feel freedom and happiness on such a higher level because I was able to go in so deep into certain things. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that's a lot of things, but it's like for anybody listening who is new to these conversations, because I know they're new, you know, we've been having them for a while, but like in, in the, in the bigger picture, they're, they're fairly new. This, this space has emerged. Like it's just like in the last couple of years, you know, now you see sober curious and sober pop up everywhere. Um, and I think people are more open to it, but it's still a new concept. And I think we need to have these conversations like daily and mm -hmm. have these conversations in front of our kids. We have this conversations, you know, with, with our loved ones. Um, because if we don't, we're not shedding the light and we're just kind of 
allowing what is and what is it's forming disease and, and depression and anxiety and all of these mental illnesses, you know, that I think are really tied to toxins, you know, it's all tied. So, and want to circle back to you, Carrie, you know, when I first got sober, I didn't know Michaela. I didn't know a Carrie. I didn't think anybody like you ladies didn't drink. I thought zero. I was like, who I'm going to hang out by myself. Like nobody, the world drinks, everyone drinks. We socialize, we cope, we live with alcohol in our system, in our hand. And so for us today, you know, on our, with our mastermind and just our calling is to attract women like you, Carrie, like truly, like, it's like, this is full circle of like our divine calling Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, we don't drink either. And we want to help you live a life of freedom, of power, of greater purpose, greater connection, Mm -hmm. and also show you that it's sexy. It's fun. It's attainable. And now on the other side of things, I could not imagine putting alcohol in my body. And that is by the grace of God. And I couldn't imagine the opposite before. (laughs) It's so, it's insanity. It's a progressive disease. It's insidious. It's highly addictive. Even if you're not of the addictive nature, it's an addictive substance, just like sugar is likened to cocaine for children. Like we have to wake up and just speak honestly, but we're so thrilled that Michaela and I merged our worlds together to attract someone like you because you are a thriving mom. You are a thriving author. You have a beautiful marriage. Like I can't imagine you trying to do all those things and drinking still. Right. Like I share on that. Like I can't either. It almost ruined all of those things. So yeah. it's just like absolutely right. pivotal that it like got the boot. Um, right. Yeah. And it's so important that we continue to have these conversations, like you said, in the light making it more normal to be, you know, I think we're basically programmed to, you know, fit in that way. We are not the outcasts and, you know, in olden days you needed to be part of this society to thrive and survive. And so I think there is still that deep rooted issue for a lot of people of not wanting to stand out or, you know, just wanting to fit in and do what's easy, or maybe they haven't even thought or questioned, oh, this is actually an option. I can choose to not drink. Um, and that's not, and that's not taboo. That's okay. It's an option on the table. I think there's still so many different things like that, that we need to tear down, but yeah, I mean, and it's so interesting because I went probably full spectrum in my own journey. I started, you know, like, I know that I need to cut back. This is so bad. I don't like it influencing everything in my life negatively. And I really wanted to just experience life totally sober and see what it had to offer and did that. And then got to this point where I thought, okay, well, I didn't even think I had this, I told you guys, and I'll, I'll have another podcast on this in more detail because it is such a very cool, intuitive story, um, about just listening to your intuition. Um, but at some point along the journey, I was like, Aaron, Michaela, this is so weird, but I keep having this like inner feeling that I, I need to drink again, like to try a drink again and just see. And so I sat with it for a few weeks and it just kept coming and surfacing. And so one night when I had no triggers or anything, I was like, okay, I'm going to revisit this. I'm totally in a different place than I was, you know, eight months ago, whatever, let's revisit it. And immediately after drinking a couple drinks that night, I was like, this is terrible. (laughs) Why did I even like this, enjoy this, cling to this? And just like you said, Michaela, I, 
it only took going back to a couple of drinks for my anxiety that had been totally non-existent the last six months to just skyrocket, came back full force. Um, I slept terrible. My skin was just dry and it just like smacked my libido like that too, which was another like super unexpected positive of being sober. Um, it was just such a wonderful hot summer for me. <laughs> and it's yeah, wild because like people... but I was like, not expecting that, you know, you expect to sleep better and get glowing skin, but it really domino affects every aspect of your life. Of it does. Yeah. But most people it's... think you need alcohol to have great sex. And I think that's like, so sober sex is the best. <laughs> said that. And also both people aren't confident enough. And I don't want to cut you off, Carrie. Cause I want you to no, get good. Most people are not confident enough or they think they're not, because we are, that's a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We have everything we need inside of us. And when we are healthy and thriving, everything is better. But people feel like I can't possibly be, you know, sober and have sex. I can't possibly socialize without at least one drink in my hand. And something you said that really triggered something is the mommy culture, like women are under attack. Like, listen, I went to therapy and you know what they said? Here, do you need antidepressants? No, I need to freaking stop drinking and talk about why I'm drinking. Like we get shoved so many drugs and I know, and I am not standing in judgment. I'm standing in wanting to help and love and free anyone who's listening. Oh my goodness, ladies, so many amazing, extraordinary, smart women who are here, take this Xanax, take this antidepressant. Oh, do you need an Adderall because you're low? Do you, and then drinking, we, how are we, how are we functioning when we're just being fed drugs and pills? And why is our power being suppressed like that? Like, I think we need to take a step back and say, but why yes. culturally women, why can't we be fully in our power, fully sober enough? And I'm not saying if you need medication between you and your doctor, God bless. And I want you nothing to be well and find that place of peace and healing. But I know because I was in it. I would have anything I wanted. I would have been given a script for you're stressed out. You're anxious. Take this, take that. No one even really cared that much that I was still drinking. Cause I would tell them, Oh, I still drink. Maybe not to the extent of the amount, but a couple drinks a night, which that's like your on average, it's quote unquote normal. Yeah. Right. But the drugs and the drinking suppressing our power. And we're living in a time where that is the way every, almost every, not every majority of women are living. Mm-hmm. And I, we're here to be like, there's such a better way. There's such a better way. And it's time and work, but there's a better way. Something to point out, like Carrie got into thinking about sobriety through her healing journey, right? So like, yes, right. So I think that's, that's a big thing to point out. For me, it was yoga, wellness, meditation that I started thinking like naturally coping with life differently, right? And so like I was adding that in into my life, which I want to note, I was able to heal an eating disorder by myself through yoga and meditation. Like it just, it just disappeared. Like, you know, from like when I was like, I don't know, 18 to like 23 or something like that. And then all of a sudden it was gone. That's when I got like heavily into healing. And I was like living this, these two double lives. I was partying at night and then I was at the library reading 
self-help books and, and all of the things, but that's what was feeding my soul and knowing like, oh, I actually want to feel good. And there is this other world that truly opens up when you, once you say yes to getting to know yourself better and teaching yourself things, because I know I wasn't taught any of these things. Um, and I'm not just talking about wellness. I'm talking about how to think positively. I'm talking about mm-hmm. how to take care of your gut health, how to sleep really well. Like mm-hmm. I'm still not having these conversations unless I'm in a coaching call or I'm unless with like my, you know, health coaching bestie here, Aaron. Um, and I think that's why I created this community because I needed that accountability and that repetition of my mind of like how important these things truly are in our life. And it's all the basic things mm-hmm. um, that once those things are met and you're actually helping your nervous system to settle through breath work and not just like once in a while, when you have an anxiety attack, I'm talking about like a daily practice, but an easy practice that is attainable. It's something that you can do perhaps one minute a day to start off with. Like there's, there's so many different ways we can add these beautiful tools into our life and they're simple and they're, they end up being so fun because you get that instant reward, you know? And also it's not like alcohol where like you get that boost of feel good chemicals, and then it drops to depression. Like if you do a breathwork practice, you'll be on like a natural high for a really long time. You'll be alert, you'll be aware, which is all things that we want. Um, and I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, the the point is like even so Erin going into her sobriety and recovery, she didn't have spirituality and that's what AA gave her so there needs to be a spiritual component to all of us because we are spiritual beings we truly are and we need to tap into that and so all of that discomfort all of that um not feeling secure of yourself the confidence the whole thing we just talked about feeling like you need you know alcohol to have sex and to have conversations all of that falls away because you you end up being armored with with your higher self and you're like wow i'm truly not alone i'm truly am guided everything is working for me and it's not against me where it's nothing that is working against you it's yourself working against you and you're not aligned so doing all of that and it's um it might sound a lot for people who are like she's probably like what is she talking about but like <laughs> just to 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 boil it down is start questioning things, start learning things, start unlearning things. Why are things a certain way? Why have I been, you know, doing things? Why is my family doing things? And just like, just set time aside each day, each week for self-reflection and start asking every single thing that you're doing throughout the day. Like, is this good for me or is this not? And your inner guidance system will tell you yes or no. Like it's, it's all in there for you. You don't even need to read a book, but that does help too. (laughs) I'm so glad that you tapped on the spirituality of all of it being so it's so crazy because until I got sober, I didn't realize what a spiritual person I was. I got, you know, a little taste of it here and there. Um, But man, and it was crazy too, to see when I, after I took that eight month break and had that one drink, the, another thing I immediately felt disconnected from source, like totally unaligned, disconnected from spirit source, God. And it took, 
I actually almost obsessively kind of scanned um, all of these things and I was taking check of them like, okay, how long did it take for my anxiety to go away after those couple of drinks? How long did it take for me to feel realigned after those couple of drinks? About a week. I mean, mm-hmm. no joke. It took me about a week to recenter, to get aligned, to feel my spiritual connection again, to soul, to God. But then if you're drinking every weekend, yeah, you're, t- you're spending a whole week trying to heal and get back to you. And then it's gone. You're, you're like <laughs> naturally in that state all the time. You're naturally then anxious. And you think that that's just your state. Like, oh, I'm just an anxious yeah. person. And you're perhaps like, you're not. I calm down. You know, so, and Carrie, I feel like your spirituality is so beautiful and we've had so many offline conversations about it. And for me and my journey, which is so crazy, but I know you guys can understand this. I grew up in the church. I grew up the Sunday school teacher. I grew up reading every spiritual book. Like I went to this amazing church in the city. I didn't realize why I couldn't, I had such a hunger and I have such mm-hmm. a hunger for God. And that is something like who I am at my core. I want to go deeper, 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 deeper. And like, ah, until the day I pass and I will, and that is my greatest, like, it's just my fire. I could not connect to God, even though I was doing all those things and in that arena and nobody knew, and I'm not blaming anybody, but it, it, it is what it is. I was drinking with people mm-hmm. in the same arena. Because of the alcohol, if you are under the influence of alcohol, you cannot be under the influence of God. And when that hit me, I was like, this is why I was so soul hungry and so soul sick until I got into AA and said, wait a second. And that also showed me that my God was not the God that I was professing to pray to, to believe in. My God was that alcohol. My savior was that alcohol. My savior was that power greater than myself was the spirits in the bottle that were going to take me out of self and numb me. It wasn't, I did not hand my life over to God. And that is the first step of AA. And I actually got into a, a bit of a heated conversation with another female who I love dearly, who, you know, is a woman of faith. But I said, you know, you cannot actually experience your relationship to God if you are constantly pouring that into your soul. There's just no way. You you are cut off from the sunlight of the spirit. Like there is, you can't. It's like your lights are out. God is, doesn't leave. It's us. Yeah. Exactly. And that is why I think people don't understand when they're like, but I'm going to church and I'm doing Yes, but you are full and you are under the influence of a false spirit in a bottle. So you cannot actually connect to your true power, your inner knowing, and you're not going to know because you're not going to hear because the whole point of alcohol is to numb you or to kill you eventually. I mean, just to be honest, like it that's what it will do eventually, but the short, short term, it's going to numb you. And that's why people feel so relaxed. But then you wake up with this crazy anxiety and disconnection. So I wish someone told me this like a hundred years ago, but at least we get to say it now, right? Like we get to be like, come on. Um, and that's why like, no, I, Michaela's right. Like I didn't consider myself a spiritual person until I had this true, like whatever awakening consciousness experience of God in sobriety, which is everything everything. And Carrie, you are so, it's amazing to me because you are so deeply spiritual. So that must've been really painful for you to not feel that connection. 
It was. Um, and I thought, man, if all the other millions of reasons that I could sit here and write out to not drink alcohol weren't enough, that's it for me. Like that's, that's the final nail in the coffin because, you know, once you have finally had that connection with God in your spirit and just see how magnificent and beautiful it is and know that you're being held and you're being watched over and your steps are being guided and that communication is open. You don't want it closed. And I mean, circling back to your, what you said earlier about power too. I mean, can you just fathom the amount of actual women power that we could Mm -hmm. put out into the world? If we flipped this mommy wine culture over on its back, killed it for good and said, no, there is such a better way. I am a thousand percent better mom when I'm not drinking, even just a couple of glasses, you know, it's, it's, a couple of glasses of wine a week, even if it's on the weekends, it throws you off that whole week. You're not connected to spirit. I know that for my own little <laughs> science experiment that I did, um, which was so cool. And now I could see in hindsight, I kept going, why are, why are you telling me to do this? It doesn't make any sense, but, but it was, you needed to know, was you needed to me. know. Yeah. Yeah. I needed to know. And then it was just so eye opening. So then I'm just sitting here going all those years that I felt like I, re- I really played into that culture told me it was okay. All my friends told me it was okay. And, you know, it was also easy. I'm already at the grocery store. I got a screaming baby and a toddler running up and down, driving me nuts. I'll just grab a bottle of wine and take it home and soothe the pain, you know, or whatever. And it's just so crazy and not drinking. And I you're cutting so yourself away. More capacity. My patience, it, I never imagined it could be as big as it is, especially having an extra needs kid, you know, you need an abundance of patience. Um, there are just so many emotional things at play all day long until their head hits the pillow. Um, and then even sometimes in the middle of the night, it's just, it's, it never slows down, but I'm just like, if I could do anything over again, I wish I could go back and shake my little self. And as a young new mom and go, it's making it worse. It's making all of this worse. It will be so beautiful and so much better if you don't play into this culture lie. It is yeah. such a lie. It's BS. I'm calling it right now, you know, and it's, um, I think I, I shared with you guys. And so I'll just throw it out there for the listeners too. I began smoking, um, recreationally in college. I think some of us do just one of those things. And but then kind of found that after college, I had trouble putting it down and I decided I wanted to was all in. Like, I don't want this. It makes me feel gross. It's ick, whatever. And it was so much easier for me to stop smoking than it was to stop drinking because there was already such a welcomed narrative that yes, we all are in agreement that we know and understand now that cigarettes are bad for you. So good for you for stopping smoking. We won't question that. We agree with that and we support it. And then it it was a convenience thing too. I only had to cross two places off of my weekly errand list to avoid while I kind of got out of that habit of stopping and picking up a pack or something. You go into any restaurant, any grocery store, any, anything anymore, I mean, and they're, they're offering you drinks and wine and whatever. I mean, I think we even were looking into, um, taking our kids to one of those themed places, amusement park places, and you know, they got drinks and whatever. And I'm just, you know, I don't know, but they also did have mocktails. I'm not even going to say the name of this place, which I was super excited about. And I thought, well, at least there's a positive step in the right direction. (laughs) 
but still, why does this have to be part of everything that we do? It's so ingrained in our culture that it makes it so much harder to be the black sheep and pull away and walk away and stand out. And then especially to claim it like on a pedestal, because you already feel like the spotlight is on you. Um, when you're doing something different anyway. And so when it's something that's so culturally frowned upon and there's still that incorrect narrative that, oh, there's something wrong with you. You can't handle it. You're broken, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah, I'm just so, I just totally went off on my own tangent too. But I mean, the healing is pivotal, opening up to spirit. It's just the floodgates open when you get sober and your life, if you think your life is good, you think your life is good and you're killing it, having a couple drinks a week, cut those out, go sober totally for at least 90 days. And tell me if you're good, doesn't just skyrocket mm-hmm. to amazing. Like there's no way it gets so much better and you can't even fathom it until it happens. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is so much better than oh. I ever thought it could be. Yes. I do want that like on a loop on replay, Carrie, like everything you just said, I'm like, it is like your good will become so incredible that you will have to pinch yourself. Not mm-hmm. to say you have to do the work and you are doing the work and you're living in the work. Something mm-hmm. that you just said though, it's questioning culture. Why is there alcohol everywhere? Because they make money and they brilliantly found a way to make money on something that's addictive. So we're going to get all, all humans male, female, young and old are addicted to the substance. Great. We're going to make so much money off of you. You're going to be addicted to this. And then guess what? We're going to make drugs to help you in your addiction. So there's like this cycle going on. So it's, it's money and control and we get, we, it's a complete lack of power on our part. I was going to say, and those things completely strip you of your power and your spirituality. So it's like, they're, you know, puts you in a great position to be controlled. I won't even go off on that tangent, but you know, (laughs) I won't even go there (laughs) right now. But I mean, really, when you've got everyone, like you said, addicted to these things in this circle and we're, you know, still stuck in that loop where, you know, and not saying that medication does not have a place. It absolutely does. Um, But we are still stuck in that circle where the medical professionals do tend to just go, oh, you're feeling whatever. Here's a pill. Oh, you're feeling whatever. Here's a pill. Not, well, why are you feeling that way? Have you talked to anyone? You know, have you, have you spoken with a therapist? You know, I really think, of course they're in it to make money. So they're not going to recommend that you go to therapy where they don't get a kickback from all the pills that they're selling you. Um, But yeah, yeah, we've really got to be more vocal and encourage everyone to do that inner healing and that, that deeper work, because even for myself, it was true. You know, I didn't have any trauma with a capital T but there was a reason that I was drinking and I had to work really hard for a couple of years with my therapist to have that. Oh my gosh, this is why moment. And for it all to fall in place. And of course, again, I'll just, this was all in that episode that we had before. So I won't rehash it out. I'll put the link before, um, for my whole sober journey leading up to, but I mean, it's just, it's never ending. <laughs> yeah. The, the healing has yeah. to be a part of it. And I want to touch on the whole parenting piece mm. and how we just mentioned when you consume alcohol, you're not only cutting yourself from God, your connection to God, but you're also con- disconnecting from your kids. Like I know for myself, even if I had one or two drinks, I would just not be as alert. I would not mm. be as connected. I would kind of want to be in my own world. 
And then the next day I would want to lay on the couch and nap. And I remember my daughter was much younger. Mommy, play with me, play with me. And I'm like, no, mommy needs a nap. And I replayed this in my mind Mm -hmm. that if I do this every weekend and she remembers me on the couch, like mommy needs a nap, mommy needs a nap. And she's going to put two and two together. Like why mommy needs a nap? Like Mm -hmm. it's freaking traumatizing. Like that I am actually choosing alcohol over her time with her. And that broke my heart. Honestly, it happened once where I was like, I truly could not get out of the couch because I would get like deathly sick. Like I would just throw up the next day. I would, oh, it was torture. Um, and I was just checked out for at least half the day, like completely checked out. And then I would kind of like reemerge towards the evening and then, but still the next three days, I would still be depressed and anxious. And then it was that whole cycle that you just talked about that by the time you get good, then you're like, oh, okay, I'm fine. I feel great. Good. Boom. Let's drink, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Um, but my daughter is a big reason why I choose to live sober. I feel like even if I'm tired now and, you know, we're running businesses, we're busy, we're like, but like beautifully busy, like I'm blessed to do all that I do. I'm freaking exhausted. Like I I go from the business and running the podcast and doing marketing and social media to like, okay, pick up at three 30 and I'm like, okay, I have to reset over here. And I do have some practices that I do to almost like clear my slate that I'm not like bringing in my work, like just like constantly thinking about work. So like, I'll go for a walk, I do some breath work. And I try to like really connect with her. But there are times when I'm exhausted, but I will still go for a walk and look at nature and feel alive. There's a difference between being tired, when you're You're still present. And it's, you know, it's part of being a human, but there's a difference with being tired and because of alcohol and being tired because of life. Yes. It is a huge difference. And I, I just love this way so much better. It's yeah. easier. Yeah. It is much easier. And when you just said, Michaela, like our presence is the greatest gift we can give to anybody, but especially the ones we love the most, like we can all say our children were so wildly in love with that. If I can just be present and look them in the eyes and they know that I have them. I'm hearing them. I feel what their soul is trying to tell me because it's really all vibrational, right? That is the greatest gift we can give our children. And they'll be able to do that for their children because we're teaching them how to love, how to parent, how to be human. I think, you know, as we started this conversation, we've lost our humanity because we're numb. And when we're numb, we're not, we're not showing up as these glorious beings of light Mm -hmm. bearing the image of our creator that we were intended to be like, you know, humanity needs this wake up because that Michaela, what you just said, I get to choose. I'm going to choose. Yes. I'm tired, but I'm going to go for a walk with my daughter. I'm going to love her. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to reset and leave work over here. When you're hungover, good luck with that. There's like, you are just like surviving and it's a, you know, what kind of show and that's what the kids get. And then what do you think they're going to give to their friends and then then to their partners i mean it's like this vicious cycle but to just bring it home for the parenting thing i didn't realize like i really believe that lie that i can i i have little children this is like i am i deserve this mm-hmm. and i thought i needed it no oh anyone listening no you don't need it you do not need poison you do not need poison to be a parent you do not need to poison every cell of your body and your brain to be a parent that is the worst idea that was ever crammed down my soul ever 
Yes. Like, <laughs> and then the fact that I believed it, shame on me. Like, shame on me. Like, wait, I, uh, you didn't know better. And now that you know better, you can do better. I think that's a lot of the problem is people still don't even put two and two together and even realize, oh, there's this cycle that I could break and it could get so much better. But I just. Well, I think a big piece of that is people don't actually know what to do. And I think sobriety looks very different for everyone. And I love that these conversations really showcase that, okay, Aaron got sober through AA. I got sober through wellness. You got sober through healing. People get sober through like oh, there's like a little multi- <laughs> yeah there's like multiple ways to do it and also like on a timeline there's just like for me I feel like I, truly I was sober curious for 15 years I know this term is like so new now but I would be well, even within my 20s I would be sober for two years then I would like binge for years and party and travel and do all that and then I would stop again and then I would do you know yoga teacher trainings and I would live that other side of my life until. I got pregnant and it was like a little before I got pregnant where I decided as like, I need to go into this wellness thing like full time. So I became a health coach um, at 28 and I got pregnant at 29. And that's when I was like, I no longer, it no longer feels in alignment to live a double life. I cannot be a party girl and I cannot be a mom with a wellness career. So that was like my pivotal moment where I had to truly make that firm decision and also have that like ego death of my former identity because it like I was a party girl since I was 14 I was in teen nightclubs drinking like very underage I was the one the only one getting blacked out um all of these things you know like it was not safe right and that was never talked about I was more shamed about it at home like Oh, how come, how can you get so fucked up? How can you, excuse me, how can you get so drunk? It's like, why can't you have the limit? Well, I couldn't have the limit. I was literally, there was a time where I was like 14, 15, it was a f- girlfriends of four of us and everyone was fine, having a great time. And I was in the bath because I couldn't stop drinking. I was in the bath. They had to like pour ice over me because um, I had like alcohol poisoning, you know, and it's so freaking scary. So yeah. scary that what this actually does to you. And uh, I think we need to have these conversations with kids like, oh, oh yeah. Yes, we're going to a party, like they're drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I tell my daughter, I'm like, I don't drink alcohol because um it makes me feel sick. It makes me feel have bad thoughts. It makes me not feel good about myself. It makes me not love myself. And I'm like, I want to love myself. And like, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be connected to God. And she's six years old and she understands. You know, like we don't go in depth, but I think as she sees that people are making a choice when we're out at a barbecue or at a party. And then she, and I said, sometimes people act very different and they don't have control of themselves. And that's what happens. And I like to have control of myself, you know, and she's like a type A, So I know like she's going to be drawn towards, and I'm sure people will, kids will experiment. And that's one of these things. It's like, oh, it's, it's scary. You know, but I think if we give them enough knowledge and be an example where I'm, I am not at a barbecue drinking and I can still have a great time and I can still laugh and I can still be there for her and I can still meditate and I could still work out and I could still meet a friend. I could have all of this. Like that is a great example to me, oh you gosh, know, yes. and we have to live that knowledge and example so to plant these seeds early. I have teens now, but I think 
if we can go back into like Michaela, you were drinking because you were medicating pain. Yes. I was medicating pain. If I can communicate that to my children and live out the ways in which I now express pain and, and I'm and the thing is life gets lifey. It is daily healing, daily, keeping my side of the street clean, daily connecting with God. It's a daily process, but if my children now, like I emote now very open and honestly, when I'm upset, I will now like almost overly with words so they can see an adult guys, I just need a minute. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. And I just like, I feel like I want to cry, but I don't want to cry. But this is what I need. I would never do that drinking. I would be with the glass of wine drinking. Now I like give them examples and say, can you help me things that are age appropriate for them to do? Or I had a really long day. I'm just, I need to just have a couple minutes to myself or Oh my God, I feel so great. I got to do this great workout class. And then Michaela and I are working on this for work. And isn't this exciting? And, and mm-hmm. I'm living out loud in a way I never would when I would, if I were to be drinking, because drinking would just numb and medicate for that moment. And I think children need to know, oh, when I feel pain, I'm allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm nervous about going to a party. Like now my son's in high school. I said, I'm like, listen, I will be the driver. No questions asked if your friends come in the car, whatever. I will get everyone home safely. I will be a, I will park down the street. No one will even know I'm your mom. Like just get in the car. And I'm like, and I, and I very open and honestly tell them what alcohol will do to the brains, their bodies, the dangers. But I also tell them I'm here because you can tell me anything, you know, and I'm not going to pretend that you're never going to try. Now, what I do, I, Peter and Dylan, if you're listening to this, I want you to never try it because that would be the dream. But if and when they do, I'm going to be here to hold them and talk to them about it and go through it. But that's what's missing. Like that component of it's okay to feel pain. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be vulnerable. And this is what I do now. And it's okay to be in the world where it's heavily indoctrinated in alcohol everywhere you turn and you don't have to I think I'm like Peter Dylan just hold a glass and no one even cares you're at a party guess what no one's gonna care they just want to see you're holding something just fake it you know so I never had these conversations I didn't know like there was a choice like sweet you know your sweet daughter Michaela like she was gonna now realize that at this young age I don't have to drink my mom doesn't drink this you know Mm -hmm. teaching them living it but why do people drink? Because of the effect it produces, like they're in pain or they're needing a timeout from life. There's other ways. And that's what we do. I mean, that's what to bring it full circle. That's what we do in our mastermind. It's like we teach people how to live and how and to-, to have these conversations daily. Cause I think you need to, you you're do. not going to have it in, in when you step outside with, with anyone, unless like maybe once in a while you'll come across somebody. And I think, you know, with these times, it's going to be more common as this progress, you know, as this continues. And I think that's amazing, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time until, you know, the person who is holding an alcoholic drink will be the black sheep. I think this is our work here um, is that we no longer want to be the black sheep. We're, we're, we're actually the brave ones. We're the lucky ones that Mm -hmm. are living life um, without any numbing. Like, and I think that's so brave. Mm-hmm. We're, we've learned how to work you know make it work for ourselves it's going to look different for everybody but 
the basics are similar. Very. Yeah. It's a beautiful blessed life. And you're right. We are very lucky. We are the lucky ones. I feel like next time we chat, we need to like really dig into the conversations with your children. That could just be, we really need to go there. I love that. Um, I never had, it was just drinking is bad. Yeah. End of story. Like there was no, like, oh, these are all the terrible things that can happen to you. These are the side, you know, I think it is so great to be so honest with your kids to an age appropriate level about alcohol. Um, my kids, I even said something to mine, um, earlier this year, they knew I wasn't drinking. Um, and then I had my little thing where I kind of revisited. And then the next morning I randomly just thought, oh, I should say something. Um, and so I just said, I was making their breakfast. They were both sitting there. And I said, I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm not drinking alcohol anymore. I tried it again and I decided I did not like the way it made me feel. And it made my body feel sick. And I just don't, I just don't like it. And so I'm just not going to drink it anymore. And I've never seen my son do this. He, he sat there and he like raised the roof and he went, oh yeah, mom. Oh <laughs> and my then he God. said, mom, that's great. And I was like, oh, thanks guys. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Just, it was great. But then I do, as they get older, I want to keep these conversations open because we can so get into all of this, you know, dangerous situations and whatever. Yeah. And I couldn't have ever called my parents. And I was actually in a lot of situations Same. where we definitely need to go down that, um, yeah, we do. the whole yeah. <laughs> next call. I'm going to be like, really- and the underage drinking is a big thing too. Like I was, yes, my family was okay with it. Well, I really like see mine was yeah. just like, no. And yeah. so if I got in trouble, I didn't have any safe person to call. Like Aaron would come and, you know, to come and get me and to know that, okay, my parents without judgment are still going to take care of me you know? And so this whole, I think that would be a great conversation to have. And I just want to be respectful of your guys' time. I know we've been, this flew by. This is such an incredible conversation. It always does. I know so much for next time, but this was so much fun. Thank you for having us, Carrie. Thank you guys so much for guesting on the show today. It just, it's such an honor and a privilege to share space with you ladies. You are just two incredible, beautiful souls. And you just brings so much wisdom and just beauty to every conversation. So thank you guys so much. Right back at you. Love you. Yeah. Thank you. So we'll part for now and check in with you guys in the future. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Nothing lights my soul up more than sharing the deeply impactful tools and rituals that I've gathered along my own journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with someone you love and be sure to subscribe. It's absolutely free and will ensure that you never miss out on the latest. I love connecting with my readers and listeners. So reach out to me on Instagram. Let me know what topics you'd love to have covered in future episodes. If you're looking for a dreamy fantasy read, book one of my debut series, The Unseen Realm, is available now on Amazon. So be sure to grab a copy of Eyes on Fire today. You can find all the links you need in today's show notes. Our time together has come to an end. So until we meet again, take good care of yourself and look for the magic in every day.